Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that wants you to stop using marketing metrics to discourage yourself and instead put them in context and use them to empower you moving forward. In today's episode, I'm going to give you a peek into my own unconventional approach to metrics in terms of what I learned from my 2023 blog traffic and how I'll be using those insights to pivot my marketing moving forward. So let's get into it. Y'all got practical about pulling the heartstrings and smoothing the purchase path with your favorite blog posts of 2023. But there was a deeper marketing lesson for each of my most popular blog posts of the year when I sat down to think about it, and I'm going to share them with you. So the following is my rundown of my top five blog posts with, with the most traffic in 2023 and the marketing lessons I learned from each. So number five was an article called Preventing Choice Overload in Website Marketing. If you want to go and read these, I've linked them all in the show notes. So what it was about really quick is that while buyers like to have options, not too many options. And I went over how to keep your website marketing simple so you don't accidentally send customers into analysis paralysis where they are too overwhelmed by the decisions they have to make that they don't make any decision at all, or they are researching everything and finally make a decision and then are wondering if maybe they should have gone with the other option, which is not the buying experience we want. So that this article is all about choice overload and how to prevent it on your website. And it's just smoothing the path to purchase. Okay, so here's what I learned about this article being popular. Um, It was interesting because with this one, I was experimenting with putting a little more effort than usual into on-page SEO or search engine optimization tactics. So one of the main things I did that I don't normally do is, and I think I got this idea from a HubSpot article. I can't remember which one, so I don't know if I linked it, but Near the top, I included a hyperlinked summary of the main points I would be covering in the article. So the list of stuff I'd be covering, like almost like a little mini table of contents for your blog post, so everything's hyperlinked to that point in the article, read like this. So the right before the list started, I said, here's the case for keeping your website marketing simple. And then the bullet points were as follows. What is choice overload? And then it links to that section. How do buyers react to choice overload? That links to that section. How can website marketing prevent analysis paralysis? Is there a magic number for the perfect amount of choices to present customers with? And here's why I think this is a pretty effective practice. So if you think of um, like search engines crawling the page and trying to determine what is this about? So what should this page be surfaced in results for when people type in search queries? So this list makes it pretty clear that I'm talking about choice overload, analysis paralysis, website marketing, and how it affects buying behavior, right? So it's clear what it's about. It's clear what it's relevant to. And then also there's some keywords in there, you know, like the keywords are, are in the headings, they're repeated, they are hyperlinked within the page to the relevant section. So it's, it's just a well-structured, organized way to let search engines know what it's about. And also you can do these lists in a way that make them really snippet friendly. So if you've ever 
asked a question on Google and got like a little box that has some bullet points and answer to your question, this would be a good place to kind of suggest to search engines. This would be a good thing to snippet because I'm giving a really clear, concise explanation of a question. So the next thing I did that I, I do try to normally do, but um, mostly in posts, posts that are more like practical, tactical marketing and advice or referencing scientific studies or business studies, et cetera, where I really want to back up my numbers and my, my sources. So it's, it's clear when I, where I'm getting my information from, what I'm basing my analysis from, and not just making it up off the top of my head. So in this article, I linked to a bunch of super high, high authority resources to back up my arguments. So like studies, um, high quality publications on the topic of choice overload and analysis paralysis and how it affects um, people. It's also a practical topic with a long shelf life because I don't think websites are going away anytime soon. Um, clearly choice overload and analysis paralysis aren't going away anytime soon. And anybody who's doing marketing, who's doing UX, who's doing um, user experience stuff needs to know what choice overload is and analysis paralysis and, and how to prevent it and how to think about it in terms of what you're showing to people in your marketing, particularly um, on that last stop before they, they type in their credit card number and give you their money. So all of that paid off because Interestingly, though this was my fifth most popular post of the year 2023, it was actually published January 23rd, 2022. So it's almost two years old and it's still getting high traffic. And interestingly, I've noticed that for this post in particular, I've had a lot of people reach out with their own resources that they'd like me to link to from this post. And with the increase of folks doing that, I also started receiving offers to be paid to include links in my blog posts, which is a pretty nice easy peasy way to make a few extra bucks. So um, long story short, my extra attention to on-page SEO for this one really had a payoff and a long lasting one. All right, so my fourth most popular blog post of the year was titled, You Are the Niche, and it's actually barely even a blog post. It is the show notes for the podcast episode of this show where I interviewed the incredible Rebecca Beyer of Blood and Spice Bush and the Blood Witch, who, who is a fantastic, interesting person, and we just had a, a wonderful interview about her unconventional career path and how um, she markets herself kind of as, hello, this is me. And I do 12, have 12 specialties and expertise, et cetera, et cetera, and how it hasn't <laughs> harmed her business to, to do it her way. Um, and also she is actually, she was my freshman and sophomore roommate in college. And so we, we go way back. So yeah, what was interesting about this one, and she will probably kill me for saying this, but she's kind of an influencer. She's got um, 27,000 folks following her at Blood and Spice Bush Instagram, Instagram account, and nearly 13,000 are um, following her on her the, the Blood Witch account, which is where she posts her tattoo artistry. She's published two wildly popular books on wish craft. Her classes regularly sell out. 
And my interview with her about her unconventional career path actually was the most popular episode uh, of the Irresistible Marketing Pod of all time when last I checked the stats. So long story short, she is kind of a big deal and having her on my platforms really gave me a boost. So her audience met me and I benefited majorly from that introduction because we've got a lot of overlap in terms of creative, artsy, femme, queer, um, healers who, who, you know, are aligned with our values and benefit from our work. So me getting to have that cross-pollination with her audience who hadn't met me yet actually resulted in a, in a lot more than usual podcast downloads for me, um, some newsletters, subs- new newsletter subscribers, new customers even, new people coming to my free events. It, it just, it really introduced me to a lot of wonderful folks who were very aligned with me and who may not have found me otherwise. So my takeaway from this one is that collaborating with the right influencers can go such a long way for getting your brand in front of new aligned audiences, giving an instant credibility boost to your offers because they trust the influencer who trusts you. And it actually doesn't have to be slimy and product placement-y. This was a really super organic conversation between two old friends, barely any editing. I just through brief podcast show notes up on my blog and it's still drawing people into my world, into my website, into my marketing regularly, which is pretty awesome. All right. My third most popular blog post of 2023 was titled The Importance of Hope in Marketing. And what this one was about uh, was how hope is a really powerful marketing tool, but it's one that's often misunderstood and misused. Because, you know, while marketing does have a pretty well-earned bad rap for selling false hopes. So in this article, I talk through some toxic positivity sort of tactics to avoid and some more, well, hopeful ones, like how to use hope ethically in marketing. And what I learned from this post's popularity was this. This one also had a surprisingly long shelf life. It was only the fourth post I ever wrote for my business when it opened nearly three years ago. And at first, this one kind of stumped me a bit about why it still draws so much traffic beyond just citing a lot of real life examples and linking to high quality sources. But I suspect it has something to do with the following. So one, I didn't attempt to be unbiased or apolitical. I was bold in my positions and my values, which makes for a more much more charged and passionate read than your typical how to do marketing article. Number two, it presented an alternative approach than the one that usually makes us all feel icky about marketing, hope selling rather than pain point pressing. And it opened up the possibility of ethical consent-based socially just marketing that doesn't make you feel squirmy at the thought of doing it. If you are in my audience, you probably really value consent, you really value aligned sales and not selling people stuff to people it won't benefit, etc. And luckily you can do marketing in a way that supports those values. All right, number three, I suspect that with my sass and cynical optimism, it didn't read like another bland business talking head. I have a voice that's mine and love it or hate it, you're going to recognize it. And I think that helped this one have such a high click rate, I guess, or 
high engagement even three years later. All right, number two most popular blog post of 2023 was titled Website Optimization, How to Visually Highlight the Most Important Messaging on Your Website. And so this is what it was about. Many businesses tend to go more maximalist than they should with their web pages. And website optimization often requires a less is more approach in order to really highlight the most important messaging and funnel people right to that checkout. Um, you need kind of a, a visual hierarchy, a visual real estate, if you will, and not to clutter or clutter up that customer journey too much. So what I learned from this post's popularity was that this was another two-year-old post that keeps bringing traffic into my website. Like, honestly, I, y'all, I, I wildly underestimated the value and shelf life of my blog as a marketing channel um, up until now. Like, can you imagine marketing you create today bringing you new customers and followers like years into the future? That's pretty rad. All right, back to the to the to this post. Why I think this one is still getting searched for and found a lot is that it's a one practical marketing advice on a topic that won't be irrelevant anytime soon. Two, I link to high quality references to back up the credibility of my points. Three, I quoted two really fantastic designers I interviewed just for this piece who have collaborated with my company a few times. So it wasn't just a take my word for it sort of thing at all. Um, this was resourced, researched up the wazoo, had great quotes from experts, um, and which I think lends to its credibility. And then also, uh, nearly all of my headings included keywords and phrases relevant to the topic of the blog, which was website optimization, um, design, user experience, etc. And this is important because search engines crawl your on-page structure to try to determine the subject you're talking about, the relevance of your page, and your authority on the topic. So I do highly recommend if you are someone who has a blog, use those headings that's like your H1, H2, H3 tags wisely. All right. Now we have come to my top most popular blog post of 2023, and this is kind of a wild card one. So this one was titled Irresistible Marketing Example, Chewy Sends Flowers to Customers Whose Pets Have Passed Away. And I discuss in this article Chewy sending bereaved pet owners flowers and pet portraits and how it's such a wonderful example of just how irresistible kindness can be for your marketing, which is, and it is an interesting example. But here's what I learned from this one's popularity. And um, it was a lot. <laughs> so basically, when I started this very podcast that you're listening to, I had really high hopes of being able to research and share real life irresistible marketing examples with each and every episode, which is kind of typical of me to underestimate how much freaking work that is and that it's not sustainable if I want to keep serving dozens of clients at once and release more than four podcast episodes a year, which I do. So although I do enjoy sharing these examples, they're going to have to wait until I have some more spaciousness in, in my schedule or I can bring someone on to like research these for me because um, they are fun. But I am okay with the wait. And here's why. Because it is true that this blog post still brings my website like a, a crap ton of daily traffic. Like every day people are on my website because of this article. But here's the thing. It's not for people searching for marketing help. 
the traffic is from people who want to know about Chewy. And I know that because I looked into um, my analytics to see what people were searching for to find me. And like they're searching for stuff about Chewy, not marketing. <laughs> and as much as I love pets and doggos and Chewy the company, that doesn't do me any good if people are on there looking for stuff about Chewy. I need people on my website that need help with marketing. <laughs> so here are my overall takeaways from looking at my web traffic and which were my most popular blog posts of 2023. And I just want to reiterate how, that I am really pleasantly surprised by what a long shelf life my blog posts tend to have and that posts I wrote years ago are still bringing people into my website and introducing them to my work today. So that was a big one for me. And here's what I'm going to do with these insights. In 2024, I'm going to really lean into interviewing guests on this here Irresistible Marketing Pod, whose audiences are likely to include my ideal clients and keep, and I'm gonna keep taking the show notes from those interviews and publishing them as blog posts on my website. I'm also going to rededicate myself to good on-page SEO practices like making snippet-friendly content and answering how-to questions and including a hyperlink summary of my main points near the top of my blog posts. I'm also going to keep strategically using my headers to indicate authority and relevance on the topic I'm writing about. But that doesn't mean you still can't have fun with those headers though. <laughs> you can do both at once. Um, and then lastly, how I'm going to be using my blog a little differently in 2024 is I'm going to let my email list know um, more often when I publish stuff because my blog's kind of fire. It's gold. And anytime I've done an email campaign with links to those posts, they get a ton of clicks because this is, this is valuable free information. And so my personal reflection, my personal bottom line that I'm trying to take to heart um, on the emotional side of things and the mindset side of things as your marketing confidence cheerleader, of course, I'm going to factor that into my metrics and how I'm going to use them for marketing moving forward is that I need to internalize that my blog is a resource that people value and it's really time that I take that to heart. So honestly, I'm an ex-newspaper reporter. I've been a writer my entire adult life. Um, I undervalued the value my blog has for other people because I find this in common with, with a lot of my clients and colleagues. If something is easy for us to do, we tend to assume it's easy for everyone. So blogging is easy for me. Writing is easy for me. So I tend to undervalue what it means to other people. Um, and then I remember that we're all <laughs> brilliantly unique beings with different skill sets and strengths. And um, just like I can blog easily but can't do math easily and in, in my head someone else has the reverse skill set and we need each other right like they need my my structured um verbal approach to transmitting information and I need them to tell me how to do taxes and like other important stuff so like we, we balance each other out so if you have a skill like blogging that comes to you easily I please don't assume that just because it's easy for you, it's not worth much to other people. Okay, that was a little bit of a tangent. Okay, so other thing I need to take to heart is that my blog is a resource that holds a lot of value for my business because it continually brings new people into my website and introduces them to my work, which is what we want our marketing to do. And I'd overlooked this. I'd kind of like 
downplayed my blog and looking at these stats at the end of the year, I'm like, hey, my blog actually brings a ton of people to my website every day and that's rad. So um, this is my how I like to do metrics for marketing for my small business peeps, especially my solopreneurs or, or people who don't have a long history of marketing or, or don't have a like a dedicated marketing team. I like to do a quick and dirty like look at reports periodically, like end of the year is a big one, of course. And then just kind of reflect on, well, what does this mean? What, what does my most popular content tell me about what's effective marketing? Um, and was it effective marketing in the long run? Or did the engagement statistics throw a fluke in there like the Chewy article, you know? And then using these metrics not to blame, shame, judge, or be like, I'm not hitting these benchmarks and what's wrong, blow everything up, but to just like really take a nuanced approach to what insight does this give me about what's working and what isn't for my marketing? What should I do more of? What should I do less of? And and what um, I think it's important to factor in beyond just the cold, hard numbers was like, how did you feel making this marketing? How did you feel? Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Was it bringing in people that felt aligned to engage with and to work with? Were you getting enough sleep? Were you stressed out all of the time? All of this is important when you're examining how to hone your strategy moving forward based on your metrics. So don't forget the human metrics too. All right, that is it for today's episode. So again, if you want to check out any of these posts, the links to them, um, these most popular blog posts of 2023 are all in today's show notes for this episode. And if you could use some help making sense of what your numbers are telling you and knowing what to do with them to make your marketing even more effective, do join the squad for epic marketing and emotional support. Or if you want all of the benefits of the blog but want someone else to do the heavy lifting, check out um, my blog packages. I can just write your blog for you. Um, obviously, I have limited capacity for how much of many of those I, I can take on. So if you want it, jump on it quick. All right. I also want to let you know I have a free masterclass coming up on Tuesday, January 9th, all about how to shift from a worker bee to a leadership approach to marketing, even if you're on a tight budget. Join me for how to massively speed up your marketing results, even on a tight budget, on Zoom at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Tuesday, January 9th. The link to register is in the show notes. And if you love today's episode and want to keep them coming, please leave me a nice review and drop me five stars. It makes me feel so good to know that folks find this a helpful resource. 